Welcome to Fangs and Folklore with your spooky host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster and paranormal. We give you pint-sized, bite-sized pieces of supernatural monster lore, exploring their origins, their history, and their meaning to the human condition. Listen, if you dare. <laughs> I was lucky enough to travel the world with my father on his business trips when I was growing up. And I was very excited when on one trip to the UK, I learned that we would be going to Scotland and frankly, that we would be passing near the Loch Ness. <laughs> we made a little detour. My father knew that I loved things already at that you know young age. I loved the paranormal and cryptids and that kind of stuff. So we took a detour. The lake itself is quite impressive. It's, um, it's old, it's deep. It's murky, it's enormous, it's flanked by the ruins of a medieval castle. I mean, it's just amazing. What a setting, huh, for people who like horror and things like that. It was a cool, clear day as my father pulled up beside the lake. There's a road that runs right by it. And we just pulled the rental car over to the side of the road and got out and looked at the lake for a while, and it was beautiful. But we observed looking for the Loch Ness Monster. And after waiting for a while and looking, finally, we saw nothing. That's right, we saw nothing. Anyway, it was a great experience. I'm your host, Matthew Miller, expert in all things monster, paranormal, and horror. I'm a horror writer from the depths of the haunted, swampy Louisiana, and I welcome you to my frightening world. Please check out my books on Amazon, beginning with Blood Feud, a punk rock vampire story. It's a series, a whole series. There's three out. There's three more coming soon. It's terrifying. It's hilarious. It's super entertaining, and it very proud to say it broke the top 100 in Amazon last week. So I'm also proud to announce my new editing company, Polished Novels. I offer the highest quality professional editing for your novels. Don't even think of sending your novel out into the world without a professional editor. So check out my services at polishednovels.com. Let's talk about the Loch Ness Monster, affectionately known as Nessie. <laughs> Pretty famous worldwide among the public and especially among cryptozoologists, and yes, those are real people. You know, cryptid, by the way, we said last time, cryptid is not necessarily supernatural. It's something that some people believe is a real creature that has just yet been undiscovered. You know the story. Deep in the murky waters of the Loch Ness, and I mean murky and super muddy, there's a creature or a colony of creatures, perhaps, that maybe has survived from ancient times and still lives and breeds. The creature occasionally breaks the surface and allows glimpses of it from eager spotters, Right? That's the story. Well, how much truth is there to that, and what are the theories? Okay, let's start with the lock itself. It's, like I said, it's beautiful and large. Viewed from above, uh, like from a satellite, I'm going to show you a picture here, it's really a narrow passage that connects to the ocean. In fact, from a satellite, it doesn't look like a lake at all. It looks like a river, but once you get down to ground level, you see it's, it's you know, it's a big lake. Now, the dimensions, quickly, it's 21.8 square miles in surface area. That's big for a lake. The average depth, 433 feet. The maximum depth, 744.6 feet. There's a ridge in the bottom that goes, a trench rather, that goes down even deeper. That's damn deep for a lake. <laughs> it's 22.5 miles long, and at the widest point, it's only 1.7 miles 
Why? That's narrower than Manhattan Island in New York, right? Super murky, super muddy beneath the surface to the point that divers can essentially see nothing, uh, even with lights. It's the perfect place for a monster to hide, frankly. <laughs> Let's start with some history. In the 70s, common era, the Romans moved into Scotland, and by moved, I mean invaded. <laughs> it's a nice way of saying invaded. They found there a people who painted themselves or tattooed themselves with lots of multicolored tattoos, and the Romans called them the Picti, possibly meaning the painted people, uh, the word Pictus related to the English word picture. That's one explanation. Some scholars suspect, though, that the Picti, the word Picti, may have been just a local word based on a Celtic, Celtic language. No one knows for sure. So the Picts had a rich culture with their own salt-based based, uh, language, lots of beautiful petroglyphs or stone carvings, and they loved to carve animals. Remember, this is in uh, 70 CE, and basically were realists. They carved lots of uh, animals, creatures that they had around them, easily recognizable. One particular animal that they were fond of carving is not recognizable to us today. It basically had a long snout or beak, some sort of appendage on its head, and had flippers instead of paws. Here's a photo of one of its carvings. For our listeners, it looks just like I described. So that's considered by some to be the first historical reference to the Loch Ness Monster. What do you think? The next reference is still pretty old. An Irish priest called St. Columba traveled to Scotland to introduce them to Christianity. And again, we know what introduce means if you know anything about history, but I digress. While there, the legend goes that in 565 Common Era, so that's very early Middle Ages slash late antiquity, St. Columba was at the shore of the Loch Ness and a man was swimming and a large beast was chasing him, about to eat him. And Columba raised his hand and said, in God's name, he commanded, go back with all speed. And apparently it did. The beast turned around by the authority of God and the swimmer was saved. This account is told in the life of Columba, which was written around 697 CE. So not too far after his actual life. Of course, you know how famously accurate the lives of the saints are. And yes, I'm being sarcastic about that. Um, proceed to the modern age. Let's talk about some historical accounts of sightings of Nessie. And some land sightings. Yes, the creature has been seen on land, not only in the water. In 1879, some kids who were uh, by a cemetery on a hill near the loch. By the way, loch is the Scots word for lake, if you didn't know that already. Pretty obvious. Some kids saw a creature waddling, a large creature waddling, that's the word they used, down a hill toward the loch. And around that time, there were a few other reports also of seeing Nessie on land. And these all come from newspaper articles uh, from the area. On a stormy night in February 1919, a little later, Jock Forbes and his father were uh, returning from Inverness, the, the city of Inverness. Mr. Spicer say, claimed it looked like a scenic railway. I guess he means it was like a, as big as a train. The couples, uh, they, they realized it was alive. <laughs> it wasn't a tree trunk at all. And it basically crawled across the road and vanished and, uh, you know, splashed into the, the water of the lock. And it left some crushed... Uh, you know, plants and grass and stuff where it was. That was observable. Um, that same year, well, the following year in January, Arthur Grant, who was a veterinarian or a student veterinarian, he was, again, also returning from Inverness. It was about 1 a.m., so you can imagine it's dark, and he had a motorcycle. And, um, you know, in those days, uh, 1933, probably would have, been, would have been riding a Bonneville Triumph, and they had, you know, one headlight, one headlamp on the front, not super bright, but he almost ran over something, and he stopped, and, and uh, on the moonlight, 
uh, he saw that there was an animal there. It had a uh, small head on top of a long neck. Keep that in mind. A very large body, tail, and flippers for hands and feet. <clears throat> it also crawled into the water, into the Loch Ness. Another sighting, Margaret Munro, spelled with an O, uh, saw the animal on land. Um, it was on the, uh, you know, a, a beach. When we say beach, it's not like a Florida Hawaiian beach on the side of Loch Ness. It's more like rocky. But it was kind of like rolling around there like a seal or something. Keep that in mind also. She said it had, uh, it was gray. It had a long neck, small head, flippers, a tail, and humps on its back. And apparently it was just kind of enjoying the, 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 the beach. And then it went back into the water and left in a big impression on that rocky beach. Okay, some photos. Uh, let's look at some photos. If you're listening and not watching the video, if you're listening to the podcast on podbean.com and uh, all fine podcasting sites, Fangs and Folklore, that is, is the name of the podcast, um, I'll describe the photos to you. The uh, first known photo, I believe, is the first known photo. It was from 1933, same year as the uh, Spicer spotting. It's old and it's blurry and it's really hard to tell. Like imagine in 1933 what photography was like and then imagine that someone's trying to take a picture of a moving object. Uh, some people would look at it and say it's a long snake-like creature, like a serpentine creature, put it that way. Not a snake, but a large snake, snake-like creature. But other people look at it and say, hey, it's actually a close-up of a dog with a stick in its mouth swimming toward the camera. Can you see that aspect, the dog with a stick in its mouth? Imagine the dog's facing you as you look at it, and the stick is sideways because it's in his mouth. I can actually see that. <laughs> I can definitely see that. I can see both. And to me, the photo is just too ambiguous and poor quality to really tell anything, you know? Interesting, though. Uh, the most, most famous photo of all is called the surgeon's photo. You may even have heard of that. And let me show it to you here. <clears throat> if you are listening to the podcast, it looks like a long kind of narrow neck sticking out of the water with a small head. It looks very much like the descriptions of Nessie from before, and it looks very much like a dinosaur's neck and head, if you imagine what that could have looked like. And the picture was published in the Daily Mail, which still exists. It was on April 21st, 1934, known as the surgeon's photograph because um, a doctor named Robert Wilson is the one who gave it to the newspaper. Uh, and it looks like Nessie, right? It looks like you imagine Nessie would be the most famous photograph ever. But here's an issue. <laughs> the photograph that appeared in the newspaper was cropped and enlarged, and it's hard to tell the scale. You know, you have no context. It the waves are hard to tell how big they were. And uh, not until 1984 did a man named Stuart Campbell analyze it and found, actually, the original photo itself, not cropped, not enlarged, but the whole thing. And he compared it for scale. And when you look at the scale of the entire lock compared to this, it, it, it's obvious that the, the object you see is actually very, very small, like the size of a bird, like maybe a swan's neck, right? Take a look. Uh, for the listeners, basically, you see the whole lock, and you can tell that the, you know, the, the thing you're seeing is not a large beast. It's a very small neck and head. And again, it kind of looks like a swan to me. If you've seen swans... Uh, you know, floating around, swimming around a, a little pond. You know how they arch their necks and beautifully, and they have a small head. That's what it looks like to me, about that size. Is the photo, though, a hoax? Well, apparently, possibly, yes. In 1994, which is not that long ago, um, 
Christopher Sperling verified that it was a hoax. He said that he helped uh, um, basically set up the hoax. And uh, let's see, there was a, he was a stepson of Marmaduke Weatherell, who was a big game hunter, uh, who had been hired in 33 by the Daily Mail to find the Loch Ness Monster. Well, <laughs> imagine that. Uh, so he comes, first of all, with uh, these footprints. And uh, he says, look, there's footprints of the monster. And researchers said, no, those footprints are actually a dried hippo's foot, which is, was apparently at that time they made umbrella stands with hippo's feet. Kind of gruesome. But anyway, he'd just taken them and, you know, st stuck them down in the mud. Uh, and he was humiliated, humiliated by that. Um, basically, then Sperling said, what happened was we had a toy submarine and we made this neck and kind of, uh, I don't know, a model of a neck and placed it on the toy submarine and it floated around. And uh, we chose Dr. Wilson to give it to the paper because he was a doctor and they might believe him. So they claimed it was a hoax, right? Now... The next photo you may also be familiar with from 1972. And um, there, there was a group called the Loch Ness Phenomenon Investigation Bureau, L-N-I-B, I guess. And it may still exist. That, uh, In fact, I think it does still exist. That basically they, uh, they joined the uh, Academy of Applied Sciences and Robert Rines was leading this expedition. Basically what they did was send a camera down into the lake waterproof camera taking high-speed strobe photography. Remember I said that it's hard to see anything in that lake because it's so muddy and murky. They had a strobe flashlight, I guess that could sh kind of show a few feet uh, in front of the camera. And um, Professor Harold Edgerton of MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, had a sonar also. But anyway, basically they took this photo down at the bottom of the lake that made the news. The photo that you may have seen clearly looks like a, a flipper attached to an animal's body, all right? A flipper, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, like uh, water mammals have instead of hands. And take a look at this photo. If you're listening, it really does look like kind of a diamond-shaped flipper with a large ridge, maybe a bone running down the middle. And behind it, it looks very much like a, some kind of creature's body. It looks really, really like an aquatic mammal and its flipper. Very convincing. Um, and allegedly, computer-enhanced version makes it even clearer. It's hard to look at this and say, wow, you know, not say they discovered the Loch Ness Monster. That's why it's so, so uh, popular. It's almost indisputable. In fact, it seems almost too good to be true. And it may be just that. The computer enhancement was actually a retouching of the photo heavily. The original photo, many claim, is just a photo of some mud at the bottom of the lock, some mud that had been disturbed by the camera landing on it. Uh, take a look at the original untouched photo here. See how different it is from the one that we are all familiar with. If you're listening, I'll describe what I see in the original photo. It's not much of anything, really. You might see uh, some, you know, just blobs of color, <laughs> gradients of, of color. You might see a faint diamond shape, but it also could be just the mind seeing patterns, right? Para, pareidolia, pareidolia. And if you kind of try to look at the photo and just forget the idea of a flipper, and try to see like mud on the bottom, you can kind of see it. So it looks like that photo when manipulated heavily could look like a flipper, but the original photo doesn't look like much of anything. What a shame, huh? Okay, next photo, the McNabb photo. Peter McNabb, July 29th, 1955. He uh, snapped a photo of something in the water uh, near the castle, by the way, 
uh, Urquhart Ca- Castle, I guess is how you say it, that medieval castle. It's fascinating, the ruins there on the lock. Take a look at the photo. Well, it looks like something with two humps swimming through the water. Definitely looks like that. Um, now, again, there's controversy. Uh, a researcher, Ray Mockel, studied the photo. He said, oh, there's actually differences between the negative and the image, which means almost certainly some kind of photo manipulation. So it had been doctored. So who knows about that that one? <laughs> Here's a much newer photo, June 23rd, 2020, so less than two years ago. English tourist Steve Chalice said that he took this photo um, while visiting the castle ruins. This looks pretty realistic, doesn't it? Now, he thinks, the man who took the photograph, thinks it was a large seal or a catfish. A seal, maybe. Catfish, though, if you've ever gone catfishing, they have dorsal fins. Their skin looks a lot different than this. If it was a seal or just some other animal, it would have to be pretty enormous when judged. I mean, look at the... the the tree and the bottom of the of the uh, photograph, and let's look at look at the bank of the the lake and the tree. Whatever it was, it'd have to be pretty imme- uh, you know impressively large. So it was if it was a seal, it would be like a giant elephant seal. I don't know. It's pretty convincing. Did you know there are some Loch Ness monster films? Yes, there are. In fact, there's a nice film database at Nessie N E S S I E Nessie.co.uk. It lists uh, the people who made the films, the year they were made. But many of these films are very obscure and just impossible to find online. Uh, I didn't feel like traveling to the UK for Fangs and Folklore. Well, I'd love to, but I can't afford it, right? Uh, to do the research by hand to find these actual films. They do exist. Um, they can find, but, but I'm going to show you the ones that could, I could find uh, digitally. Okay, so first, December 12, 1933, Malcolm Irvine film something swimming around the lock. Let me show you the video here. For the listeners, it looks like you would expect a film from 1933 to look (laughs) grainy and blurred. There's definitely something swimming out there. Um, The scale is difficult to tell. It looks like it's large, leaving a long wake, but there's nothing to measure the size against, so that's really difficult. Next, uh, Tim Dinsdale filmed a, looked like a hump that was swimming around the lake, left a wake also. This was in 1960. And he said it was red with a blotch on its side, like the skin. Uh, He said he mounted his camera, it began to move. Let me show you this video here. It's not a great film to begin with. (laughs) Some analysts, like, carefully looked and said, look, it's a man in a boat. Uh, Others said, no, you can see a creature's body beneath the water, clearly. But until Fangs and Folklore gets enough uh, donations from you to buy expensive film analysis equipment, it'll have to remain a mystery because, again, it's just a 1960 kind of little blurry, hard to see, really hard to see what it is. All right, a more modern film taken on March 12, 2021, last year by, okay, this this guy's name is, looks like Gaelic, so forgive me uh, if if you speak Gaelic for butchering his name, but Eowyn. (laughs) O'Fadagain? <laughs> I don't know. I don't speak Gaelic. But take a look. Take a look at this video. For the listeners, it's definitely a large, dark object swimming around the lake. Uh, scale, uh, sometimes in those other videos, are different. difficult, I said. But look at this one. You see some shore. You see a tree. It indeed appears to be a very large creature swimming around the lake. Very interesting, huh? All right. Modern technology. Some people spotted, spotted something weird on Apple Maps. Apple Maps satellite photography. Take a look here at this picture. Listeners, it looks like an enormous catfish below the surface of the water, as if that might look, but enormous. 
Uh, some people say, no, it's the wake of a boat, but there's no boat visible. And others say, aha, the boat is not visible because when Apple has to stitch the satellite photos together, it loses some data. Okay, well, maybe so, maybe not. That would be one hell of a big catfish, by the way. I'd love to fry it up. And mm, mm. Okay, so, um, yeah, that's interesting. One more fun one. This is really fun. Google Earth Street View. Very recently, this lady found something. Let me show you this photo. Again, this is Google Earth Street View. It looks like a, kind of like a neck sticking up out of the water. It really does. <laughs> They're very interesting. Now, one last interesting piece of possible evidence. A boy named Benjamin Scanlon was recently on the lock with his family, a little vacation, holiday. And there's a tourist boat called the Nessie Hunter, kind of just cruises around the lake, which I think would be cool to, to go on. He, uh, he noticed the boat's sonar was picking something up. You know, uh, sonar, if you're, a fisher, if you're a fisherman or a fisherwoman, a fisher person, you can use sonar to see fish below you. You know how it looks. Well, he snapped a photo of the sonar display. It showed something really long and, and serpentine. The captain of the boat told Scanlon that he thinks the object was about 10 to 13 feet in length, was about 65 feet deep. So pretty deep, but not all that deep compared to the whole lock, which is very deep. Uh, take a look at this. And for the listeners, it looks like, yeah, a big, long, snake-like figure. Very interesting, huh? All right, so we've seen some photos and videos, historical eyewitness accounts, sonar display, satellite images. So question is this. If the Loch Ness Monster is real, if there's something out there swimming around, then what the hell is it? <laughs> Let's examine some main theories. A very popular and, frankly, intriguing theory is that the Loch Ness Monster, Nessie, is a surviving plesiosaur. Plesiosaur was basically a water... Uh, dinosaur, water reptile. It was uh, it was a reptile in the Mesozoic era, which is, which was 252 to 66 million years ago, a long time ago. <laughs> it would be unusual for such an animal to have survived unknown, right? I mean, not uh, you know they would have to have, have the the population, the, the the species would have had to survive for millions of years. Um, stranger things have happened, though. You know that you might know the story of the uh, coel. <laughs> Silicanth or Coelacanth, depending on your pronunciation. This is a fish that went extinct 66 million years ago until some fishermen pulled one up living out of the sea. <laughs> Turns out it survived. It was It's still alive. You can find them swimming today in the ocean. And if one survived millions of years, others possibly could too. So the idea here is the, the plesiosaur theory is that the Loch Ness is connected to the open sea, which it is. And so the creatures might live in this, the ocean, the deep ocean, and then come into the Loch occasionally or seasonally or for whatever reason. You know, the ocean is an enormous place. It's very likely that we haven't discovered, you know, that we've only discovered just a fraction of the animals that live down there. So it's, you know, this is a theory, right? Uh, it's a theory because many descriptions of the sightings of Nessie have indeed described a creature that looks like a plesiosaur. Long neck, small head, long tail, four flippers, the quintessential Nessie. I suppose the main argument against this theory is that there's no evidence, no real evidence for it yet, right? But it's a plausible, well, plausible, it's a, it's a possible explanation for how some giant creature could be living there and without having been caught yet because it, it swims out into the sea, all right? Another theory is that uh, Nessie is just a giant eel or a bed of eels. And yes, bed is the proper term for a group of eels. I looked it up. English is so weird. Anyway. The lock is just chock full of eels, tons of eels in this lake. And a large eel swimming and lifting its head, or many, maybe even many eels together are swimming, you know, in a, in a line, 
possibly could look like a large monster, possibly a plesiosaur from a distance. So there's the eel theory. Another explanation is that it is a large seal or a rookery of seals. Yep, rookery is the term for a group of seals. This theory is interesting because the way that seals swim, if you've ever seen it, seems to be similar to the way that Nessie has been described, kind of waving up and down, you know, as it swims. Um, it would have to be a really large seal or eel, though, to, be, to appear in these photos and videos uh, that large. Now, in May of 2018, uh, Professor Neil Gimmel of the University of Otago, New Zealand, uh, he's a geneticist. So he said, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get water samples and test the DNA of everything living down there. They did so. Uh, they used a technique that had not been used before, basically looking for environmental DNA, eDNA, and they found tons of it, everything from sharks to fish to eels to even deer sometimes swim across this lake. Um, they found tons and tons of eels, you know, eel city here. Uh, they found nothing, however, that could be related to a plesiosaur or any unknown or monster DNA. Uh, some people say, okay, well, that settles it, but others say, well... If the plesiosaurs leave in the deep ocean and only go to the lock seasonally, it's possible that you could miss their DNA also. I don't know. What do you think? What do I, your faithful host, Matthew Miller, think? Well, I like the fact that there are many eyewitnesses uh, from antiquity to today. It lends credence to the possible, uh, the possible fact that there's something weird out there swimming around the, the muddy, profound waters of this lock. A plesiosaur, I guess it's possible, right? If that the colath, the solath fish, uh, uh, forgive my pronunciation, it was survived millions of years, why not something else? There are so many yet undiscovered animals out in the ocean, I just know there are. And the Loch Ness is connected to the sea, so it's possible, I'll give you that. There's just no hard evidence for it yet. Eels or seals, also very possible. I will say again that they would have to be some enormous damn eels and seals to pass for a Nessie, but elephant seals do get very large, uh, giant moray eels uh, or whatever. I don't know if moray is the variety here, but they get big, but, but not that big. So what's the conclusion? Well, unfortunately, it's undetermined. <laughs> I, for one, certainly hope Nessie is real. I'd love for that to be true, for all these accounts to say, aha, we told you. I'd love for it to be a plesiosaur, but maybe that's just wishful thinking. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the YouTube comments if you're watching the video. By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, you can always email me your thoughts at matthew.miller.writer, W-R-I-T-E-R, at gmail.com. That's matthew.miller.writer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you also. And I did want to mention something kind of funny. Here in the Fangs and Folklore studio that, if you remember, I set up the studio in the basement of this abandoned castle in the middle of the forest and uh, mentioned that the wall behind me Seems to have some rust, rust stains, maybe. I uh, haven't analyzed it yet. Uh, anyway, uh, the castle's pretty close to a lake. <laughs> I thought it'd be pretty funny, you know, if... if... Wait. What, what the... What's that? What the hell? What, what, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I better go. Uh, thanks for listening, and again, sleep well if you can.